Hey, bowlers, bowling this month is back. Bowling this month is bowling's trusted technical resource that's relied upon by thousands of serious bowlers, pro shop operators, and professional coaches. From independent ball reviews to great instructional articles on all facets of our sport, you'll find it all at bowlingthismonth.com. For less than the price of a cup of coffee per month, you can have online access to Bowling This Month's premium technical bowling content that will help you improve your game. Bowling This Month is so confident you'll be satisfied, they're offering a 14-day money-back guarantee to all subscribers. Check out BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up today. Now is the time to reinforce your bowling arsenal, and BowlerX.com is the online leader in price, service, and selection. With free insured shipping on every item we carry, including a complete line of pro shop supplies, as well as balls, bags, shoes, accessories, and more. Also check out the large selection of closeout and discontinued items at a fraction of their original cost. BowlerX.com, your online bowling superstore and proud sponsor of Above180.com. You can hear Above 180 on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Kindle Fire, and beyond, on demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio. BowlerX.com, your online bowling equipment superstore, presents the Above180.com podcast. Tim Berg is ready to hit the lanes, approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews, coaching, to drilling layouts, and the stars of the PBA. Now, here's your host, Tim Berg. Joining us today on the Above180.com podcast is John Jenowitz. John is a three-time USBC Eagles winner, a seven-time Team USA member and and also in his free time when he's not bowling and on Team USA and traveling across the world. John also is part of the Kegel tech support. So if your center has an issue with their, their machine or their oil or they, they want to discuss their house pattern or even set up a tournament pattern, chances are they might talk to John. So John Timberg here. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, absolutely. Thanks, thanks a lot, Tim. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, who better to talk about the USBC Open pattern than a three-time Eagles winner? So, John, let's just get right to it. What were your thoughts when the USBC announced uh, the pattern last week? Um, I took a look at them. I mean, I, I still haven't really studied them, like, really thoroughly. But, uh, you know, one of the first things I thought was, you know, I mean, all things being equal, uh, you know, score should be lower this year. Now, like I said, we don't don't really know the the install, you know, topography-wise, even though, uh, you know, Lou Trunk, I think, was the one from USBC who did the install, and uh, past history shows, you know, he, he always does very good work. <clears throat> so, I mean, I, I'm not too worried about that, but even even with a good install, um, you know, from a difficulty standpoint, I mean, they they should still be a little bit on the harder side. There's there's no doubt about that. So, I mean, you know, especially also the distances, you know, being, I think it's 38, and uh, it was 38 for the team and 39 for the, uh, the doubles and singles, if I'm correct. Yes. So, okay. So yep. let's talk about your team. How uh, how early do you guys start preparing? Are are you guys not one of those teams that that does a whole lot of the preparing and watches a lot of the the webcasts in front of you guys and see where other people are playing the lanes? You guys just, you know, what we're going to do our game. We're going to see what happens when we get out there. Sort of sort of team mentality. Oh no, we I mean, we do a lot of preparation. I mean that because we used to bowl in uh, in April, and uh, one of the things there was a couple reasons we moved now to June because we bowl on June ninth. But uh, we wanted to bowl in June because one, it, it was better for some of our teammates. It was a little bit easier for them to get to get time off. Where uh, April was really get 
kind of pressing a couple of guys. Another reason also we wanted to move to June was, you know, we had a, a little more time to, you know, watch some more live streaming. We had a little more time to get some more feedback from, from uh, you know, some of the better teams that have gone out. You know, we're in April. You know, there just aren't as many as many good teams that have gone out. It seems like more of the, the better teams seem to be going in, you know, closer toward the end of the tournament. You know, maybe also because of, uh, you know, from a weather standpoint, you know, like if it's in Reno whatnot, you know, the weather will be a little bit better in, in uh, June and June and May than it would be in March. So I think it's kind of a combination of the two. But no, we're we're always communicating, you know, trying to watch some of the, the webcasts of the better players, you know, just kind of getting a feel for, you know, what they're doing and, you know, just kind of painting a picture and, you know, you just kind of paint a picture in your mind of, you know, what the, the old pattern is and then, you know, how it's translating to ball motion. Great. So Ken, uh, and this is something that I'm, I always catch myself. I'm doing a lot of work up here with Chris Warren and Chris mm-hmm. is always, uh, will give me a little bit of grief if I go in with too much of a preconceived notion on where to play the lanes or what to do. How do you guys guard against and how do bowlers, how do we guard against that? Because everyone, the pattern's released, knowledge is key, we all know that, but then you still got to be flexible once you get to El Paso and get to the convention oh, center. You have to go in with some kind of a game plan. Because, I mean, otherwise, if you, if you don't, you're just going in completely blind, and that's, to me, that's that's not very good either. You know, I mean, you have to kind of, you know, you have to kind of gear yourself, you know, gear your equipment, you know, toward something. And, you know, you have to try to make the best educated guesses you can based on, you know, from an individual standpoint, you know, how you throw the ball and then based on what you're seeing and, you know, what your friends are, <clears throat> what your friends are telling you as well, you know, but, uh, you know, still when you get to El Paso, I mean, you know, still that pair, you know, that you're on, you know, that can still be subject, you know, still might not be different than, you know, it'll still be different than, you know, what you might have been practicing on home or what your friends have said, because, you know, it is a different day, you know, it could be a different pair. Um, you have to keep an open mind and, you know, you have to go in with some kind of a strategy, but at the same time, you know, you have to, be open-minded enough to where, I mean, you know, if ball motion isn't, you know, making sense and, you know, you're not getting good ball motion, I mean, you still, you have to make an adjustment. You know, you have to be able to abort from the game plan if, it, if it's not working. So you have to, it, it's kind of a fine line more than anything else, but, you know, you still have to go in with some kind of a game plan to structure your equipment accordingly, you know, to how you throw the ball and also, you know, come up with a, a plan from a team aspect, you know, to work together and, uh, you know, whether you need to break the lane down or, you know, whether you just need to, uh, you know, be able to kind of spread yourself out a little bit more. So, John, we were talking a little bit earlier, and you are telling me at Kegel, where you, your day job is, you do a lot of tech support where you're dealing with folks, and they call you, and they have questions about oil patterns and with their machine and this and that mm-hmm. and the other. So talk about how the, the weather is going to affect the oil in El Paso, or won't, won't it be much? Was that one of the probably factors that went into putting the pattern out the way they did and setting it up as such? Because, you know, as we all know, you know, El Paso, it's, it's going to be quite toasty when when you're down there and then i'm yeah. i'll be there right before you so just talk yeah. a little bit about that and even just in kind yeah. of even in general terms how that affects the center because i know as bowlers we it's a it's a great excuse to use well now it's 20 degrees warmer than it was last week that's yeah. why i didn't carry yeah. as well yeah a lot of it has to do as much with the temperature in the center more than anything else that i see you know cause, i mean some some centers are a little you know a little definitely a little warmer inside than others you know and, and that's what will definitely affect the uh, uh the lane conditions. You know, usually we see when, usually when it gets a little bit warmer, you know, oil tends to move down the lane a little bit more. And when it's colder inside, you know, the oil tends to stay in place in general, you know, without getting too specific here. But um, now I think they still based it off of, you know, ball motion. You know, I'm sure they had USBC tests, you know, had a few guys testing patterns out. I mean, I'm not involved in the patterns, you know, I think probably for obvious reasons. But, uh, you know, like I said, they, you know, they have people, um, you know, probably throwing shots and testing it out. You know, they're doing tapes, you know, making sure everything's sport compliant. So, uh, you know, like I said, you know, what, what the, 
the idea was this year. I mean, you know, whether it was to make it harder or not, I mean, it looks like it'll be harder on paper, but, you know, there's, there's still other things, like I said, you don't completely know. You don't know how much friction there's going to be in the surface. You know, if the pin carry is, is really good, then, you know, scores will still be decent. So, um, you know, like I said, there's still a lot of other factors that are involved than, than, you know, just the oil and the oil pattern. And actually, you know, the more, the longer that I do this and the more years I'm exposed to this, the oil pattern is not near as big of a percentage of the pie when it comes to the total scoring equation as most people think it is. You know, most people think it's everything. And, uh, I hate to say it just from experience, uh, it's, you know, I think in a lot of cases, you know, it's more like a little closer to more like 33%. Yeah, so so expand on that. Talk about the other sixty six percent then of of how what what contributes to the factors and scoring at, <clears throat> in, at a USBC yeah. Nationals. Well, I mean, as far as scoring goes, I mean, if the pin carry is really really good in the ball in the center. I mean, if the if there's a lot of pin speed coming off the kickbacks, you know, I mean, then you know scores are going to be high no matter what. Because I mean, if you get some of the best players in the world come there, I mean, you know, they all know how to bowl. They all know how to keep up with transition. They're all really good at switching bowling balls. I mean, they're going to hit the pocket regularly, but, you know, if they can strike a lot where, as opposed to a center where, I mean, if the pins are just really heavy and, or, you know, the pin, pin action is just really, the carry is really bad, well, you know, that's going to keep scores down. So, you know, that, there's one factor. And then, you know, the other factor, like I said, is topography. I mean, if you're dealing with a center that, you know, is not very flat, you know, I mean, it still may be within USBC specs. However, you know, like I said, if, if there are more crowns and depressions within a lane, you know, where ball motion is not as true, then, you know, transition can be a little bit tougher to read, you know, and also that can affect pin carry as well. And like also in regular bowling centers, you know, I mean, at least at the USBCs, you know, they're dealing with brand new lanes. So that's not an issue. But when you're, when you're in regular bowling centers, you know, how old the surface is, I mean, if you're dealing with 20 year old synthetics, you know, the fronts are going to be burnt and usually the ball track's going to be burnt. So, I mean, whatever, you know, your ball is hooking earlier and, and losing more energy in the front part of the lane, you know, you're going to have less energy down the lane. So usually that's going to affect pin carry and more often than not in a negative way as well. So, you know, when you really look at some of those different factors, you know, on top of, you know, the skill level of the players, you know, where at the USBC you get a, a big variety of different skill levels. You can get some really great players and you have, you know, more, you have some more recreational players as well, you know, that are, you know, just going to, you know, to have a, to have a good time. So, you know, when you're, when you're dealing with that, I mean, you know, you're going to get a much bigger, broad range of scoring. And also, you know, depending on who you're crossing with and how they break the pairs down will have a lot to do with, you know, whether they make the, the pair better or whether they make the pair worse. So, I mean, when you really look at all those things in a factor, I mean, you know, oil pattern is not really near as big of a factor as, you know, a lot of people think it is. So I'm trying to remember, I had the conversation last week with Mike Jazz now, which is online. You can go check that out in the archive section here of the website, above180.com. I'm trying to recall, and if we didn't, I'm going to bring it up right now, but I believe Mike had mentioned to me either on or off uh, when we were talking before or after that he thought some teams may attack this by taking urethane and playing out further out further right with that. Now, I know you had said you had mm-hmm. a few chances to just look at that, but did you see that as a, as a possibility that, you know, not saying you guys are or aren't going to do it, but is mm-hmm. that something right. that you see that could work as well, at least to begin with? I, I wouldn't rule that out. I definitely wouldn't rule that out. I mean, I, I mean, I look at just at the distances themselves. I mean, you know, 38, to me, that's really kind of, I've said for years, you know, 37 and 38 feet are two of the hardest distances in bowling now. <clears throat> because, I mean, really, the, they're they're just long enough a lot of times for urethane to kind of not work, but they're short enough to where, you know, a lot of the a lot of today's bowling balls, I mean, if you really look at a lot of today's balls, I mean, they're really not made for <clears throat> shorter patterns. I mean, they're more made for 
heavier oil and more oil down the lane, you know, more distances like, like your house patterns, you know, 41, 42, 43 feet and beyond. So when you get them that short, you know, there's too much back end in the middle to play, but when you get them sport compliant, now you have, in order to do that, you know, you have to have enough oil on the outside, it kind of traps you. So in order to get control, I mean, urethane still, you know, today, you know, it, it really does give you, you know, a controllable reaction. And, you know, the bottom line is, you know, hitting power is great, but, uh, you know, if you if you can only hit the pocket, you know, one out of every two times or, you know, you know one out of every three shots, you know, you know hitting power ain't going to help you too much if your ball's hitting a three pin right in the face every time. Joining us with a quick update of everything that's going on over at BowlingThisMonth.com is Bowling This Month owner Bill Semsrat. Bill Semsrat here with this week's BowlingThisMonth.com update. First up, we've got a spare shooting article from USBC gold coach Susie Minchu, where she explains the main reason we often miss easy spares, and, more importantly, what we can do to prevent it. Next, we've got an article from USBC gold coach Joe Slowinski on the biomechanics of the release, where he gives us some great tips on how anyone can develop a more powerful release by strengthening the specific muscles that contribute to it. And finally, we've got a great new article from collegiate coach John York, where he gives us his framework for understanding all the various topics that make up the modern game, so that you can return more of your focus to improving your execution. For all of this and more, please visit BowlingThisMonth.com and sign up for your no-obligation free trial. Back to you, Tim. Great stuff. Again, check out BowlingThisMonth.com for all sorts of great information. And John, you also help Kegel develop patterns. Tell me what a pattern would look like that would make Jason Belmonte average 185. Well, considering I know at the I think it was at the U.S. Open there the other couple, I think it was not this past year, but the uh, I think it was the year before there where it was in Columbus. I mean, I, I think he still was 220 on flat. And that was in three different houses. So, you know, to for him to average 180, um, I'm not really so sure. But the, uh, if he's averaging 180, I think the rest of the field's in a lot of trouble. They're averaging a lot less. So um, I'm not sure if I could really create anything, uh, you know, short of, uh, you know, maybe putting water, maybe sour cream on the lanes. You know, that might be about the only thing. Uh, but, uh, I mean, he's bowling unbelievably right now. I mean, he's truly the best in the world. He's proving it. So, um, but, uh, yeah, yeah, like I said, I, I'm not really sure if there is anything right now that you could really create to, to slow him down and not also slow the rest of the field down effectively as well. All right. Well, I received an email, and I thought it would fit great for this week in our conversation that we're having. So it, it begins. It says, hi, my name is hi Tim. Uh, this is from Scott. It says, I bowl in a five-person handicap league on a typical house pattern. I graduated from, and I'm going to leave the university out just to, to protect his last name and everything mm-hmm. here. But he says, right. uh, he's, he says, I feel bored bowling on the easy patterns. At our league meeting, I brought up us bowling on a modified house pattern to make things more challenging. The idea was shot down instantly, and he's saying his his you know final thing to me is help. What can I do? So what what can bowlers do that want to bowl these? You know, a lot of these younger bowlers are interested in, and older bowlers as well. In some cases, are interested in bowling on challenging patterns, but they're meeting resistance. What can what can be done to to help with that resistance and help kind of create a bridge? That's a good question. Uh, I think you need some help, obviously, from the proprietor in, in those situations because they're. They're the ones that are going to need to you know, be able to provide the lanes for this. And I think maybe one thing you can do is you can maybe try to hold some individual tournaments, you know, just to, like on the weekend, even if it's just like a little three-game, you know, sweeper or something like that, just to kind of introduce it. Or you can also, uh, you know, maybe during some of the dead times, maybe like sometimes the early afternoons, you know, maybe you can work with the proprietor. Maybe you can oil, you know, a couple of pairs of lanes near the end of the center, you know, so that way and then have – you know, maybe offer a little discounted practice or something like that, just so that way you know people can kind of get their feet wet. Because you know, sometimes when you're dealing with 
you know, players that are used to only bowling on one condition all the time, you know, when they bowl on something else, you know, they're definitely obviously not used to it. It's a different environment. You know, they're going to see different kinds of ball motion. So, you know, they don't always want to get embarrassed, you know, in front of their friends and league. So it may be a good time to, you know, like to work with the proprietor. Maybe they can get some, uh, you know, set up some, uh, you know, patterns on, you'll know, be able to put it on the, um, one of the pairs on the side, like I mentioned for practice, you know, during some of the dead times, maybe off some discount or like I said, to do a, uh, a tournament perhaps. So aside from length, and now sticking with your Kegel, uh, Kegel hat on now, <laughs> aside from the length mm-hmm. of a pattern, what can be done, and even sometimes a length hand, but what can be done to slow down the, the stronger and stronger cores that are being developed for these bowling balls? I mean, you, got, you guys have a couple different uh, varieties of oil now that you're putting out, you know, that, that mm-hmm. proprietors can buy from you guys and such. Uh, but what, is there anything else you see that can be done? Because like you said, the, the equipment is just getting stronger and stronger and stronger, and it seems like yep. everything comes <clears> on hooks. Usually, usually you got to do it with distance more than anything else. I mean, if, the, if there's enough back end, if there's enough dry back end, you know, you're going to get these balls to be uncontrollable. So, I mean, that's where a lot of times when you start getting the distances, especially, you know, 36 feet or less, that's usually where urethane starts to come into play because the fact that, you know, the, the cover stocks are, are so slow response, you know, they're, they're very, you know, they're, they're very um, low response to the point where, you know, they're, they're actually controllable. You know, when you start getting, you know, the oil patterns longer and longer, you know, you obviously need quicker response bowling balls and you need stronger cover. So I think, you know, when it, t- when it comes to a pattern or whatnot, I don't think it adds as much to the pattern as it is more of a distance than anything else. And obviously, you know, today's, you know, equipment, uh, you know, it's made for heavier volumes of oil. So if you start <clears throat> going lighter with the volumes, you know, now you make the ball start burning up more on the front and quitting in the back. So, I mean, still players are still going to be able to find ways to throw them because, I mean, you know, more of the players today tend to be a little more speed dominant anyway. They tend to throw, you know, quite a bit harder in relation to their rev rate. So we're still going to try to find a way to make it work. But, uh, you know, to me, it's just going through lower volumes and, uh, you know, shorter distances, you know, kind of like what we used to do in the past. You know, when we had urethane, you know, a lot of the house pattern, typical house patterns then were, you know, on average 32 feet, you know, back. And then, in the, you know, in the short old days, it was 24, you know, 24 and 26. So, uh, you know, like I said, through distance and, and, and a lack of volume. Final question for you, John. Uh, seven-time Team USA member. Talk about what it's like to, to represent Team USA, you know, seven years in a uh, you know, seven years on a row, seven years, though, to be on that team and be bowling with the, the most elite bowlers uh, in the world. Oh, fantastic. I mean, you know, being able to, you know, get, win the gold medal, and which I've been fortunate to do, a few of those in the zone championships, you know, and be able to hear the national anthem play. I mean, there's nothing nothing like it. And, you know, being able to work as a team, you know, being able to, to work, you know, both, you know, guys like Tommy and Chris and Bill O'Neill, I mean, it's it's really, really fantastic experience, you know, to be able to communicate with those guys. Because there aren't really aren't many team tournaments, you know, I mean, you know, in the game. I mean, I mean, a lot of it, especially the highest levels, are individual tournaments. So, and to be able to work together, you know, to be able to both doubles and trios with guys like that, to be able to communicate, and it, it's, you know, you, you, can, you can learn so much, and uh, it, it's really, it, that's one of the coolest feelings in the world. Also, you know, being able to go to training camps and everything, you know, some of the times, you know, we get to, you know, cross over with some of the girls, overlap with, with the training camps, you know, be able to communicate with them. I mean, it's, just, it's just a very invaluable experience. It's really hard to describe. So, I mean, it's, uh, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Well, great stuff, John Janowitz. Again, three-time Eagles champion joining us today on the program. John, best of luck this year and uh, all the best. And I can't believe it's been, you know, I've been doing these shows now for five years and it's the first time we had a chance to chat, but definitely going to do it again. And uh, and thanks for all your insight uh, regarding bowling and, and best of luck this year out in, uh, in El Paso. 
Oh, absolutely. Good. Yeah, thanks again for having me on the show. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I look forward to talking to you more in the future.